This the remix. I don't believe any of those statistics. I think it's all hogwash. Makeup stuff. Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio. The Las Vegas Journal Review. Just being a little sarcastic and having a little fun here. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Sam and Ash are going to join us at 9.15. But we're going to jump back into the Raiders because I, I think I have a new favorite player on the Raiders. David Irving. Um, he talked to the Good athletic riddance. earlier in the week and, uh, David Irving did not like playing for the Cowboys. Yeah. So a couple of quotes here from David Irving, who, by the way, the Raiders re-signed him, uh, earlier this month. Uh, first quote, I hated going to work for the Cowboys. A Cowboy is all hardy, har, har, and all this America's team stuff. I belong in Las Vegas with the Raiders. He also said... I love Coach Gruden. He's my type of coach. I couldn't say the same for Jason Garrett. Gruden can relate to his players because he knows what he is doing and knows how to coach. He is not just there filling a position. He knows what he is doing. He is straightforward and honest. No BS and no games. It is what it is, and I appreciate that. What did the Cowboys do to David Irving? Well, all they did was re-up him and have him in back-to-back seasons be suspended for violating the NFL's policy on substance abuse. So uh, David Irving had a lot of opinions, had a lot of problems himself, along with injuries. Uh, and again, this is context where you now play for the Raiders. This is like asking, not, and it, it's true, but this is asking uh, Mark Stone today on the Zoom, do you think Flowers playing well? I mean, obviously now you're playing for the Raiders, and someone's going to ask you, hey, what do you think about the Raiders? Well, I mean, Gruden's this and Garrett wasn't this. This guy had his own problems, by the way, with Dallas. The Cowboys didn't make him get suspended for two straight years for violating the substance abuse policy. So when he says this, I'm taking all this with a grain of salt when I hear what David Irving has to say about the Cowboys. Don't be ripping them. Take care of your business. A Cowboy is all hearty, har, har. <laughs> okay, and all right. this America's team. Well, how did he know that? For the first two, first 17 and 18 season, he wasn't there for the first four games. So I don't know how you know they're hearty, har, har. Oh, that's got to be my favorite quote about the Cowboys. They're all hearty, har, har. I, I will say based on Ed's like um, defense of them, Cowboys fans are also hardy har har har. <laughs> okay, with a little hardy har har. <laughs> Another question for David Irving, because he's now with the Raiders. He followed his position coach over here, didn't he? Was it uh, Rod Marinelli, his coach? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he the whole all, the hardy har har part was Rod Marinelli not a part yeah. of that. Was Rod Marinelli excused from yeah. the hardy har har? Rod Marinelli was the only one who didn't go hardy har har on a daily basis. <laughs> I'm not so sure. I just it's again look, David Irving is hardly original in the fact when you leave one team and go to another that you take the shots in the previous team and you suddenly love the new team. I'm not saying he doesn't love the Raiders. That's fine. But you know, and here's the other thing. He's had some kind of issues as we've just uh, pointed out. I belong in Las Vegas? Really? Okay. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, he, he's very happy where he is. That's fine. But it's, it's certainly not new to the realm of athletes where let's go to one team, bash the other. And I like where I'm at right now. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you get that like every other day from guys. Yeah. 
Right, we need you more can see I'm taking this a little personally, don't you? You are. You are. We need more of them saying hardy, har, har. Like, that's, we need that, that quote more that often. Is, that is apparently the line too far for Ed Green. <laughs> yes, yes! You can say, we're not really America's team. Right. I kind of agree with that. But you well, better not I've say. Never, <laughs> like, I've never, I, the America's team, I've always kind of laughed at also. I think that's, that, you know, that was... Well, it wasn't that Jimmy after a game yelling. I don't know. Who cares about that? But, yeah, the hearty har har. I don't even know what that means. Were they all sitting around, like, patting each other in the back, laughing all the time? What does hearty har har mean? I don't even know. I'm on it. Why do I feel like hearty har har comes from pirates? (laughs) Yeah. That's from the Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland. Maybe he was driving in the boat and uh, Disneyland, and he heard that song playing. I... That's as close to that's a good point by you. Hardy I mean, har hard. But if pirates. it comes from yeah. pirates, he's now on the Raiders. Wouldn't the Raiders be the Hardy Har Har team? Yeah. It's a good point. He, he's even more in a Hardy Har Har situation now. Honestly, it, if yeah. we were if we were to describe John Gruden, I think Hardy Har Har describes John Gruden more than it describes the Cowboys. I mean, okay. Yeah, because Jason Garrett, I think, was a little more buttoned down, right? Yeah. I mean, I would never like. I could actually see John Gruden saying "Hardy Har Har" out loud, <laughs> and not and not to be funny. Like I could see him using that in a serious sentence. Okay, we'll get into those analytics or all that Hardy Har Har stuff. Exactly. So... That's exactly what the quote would be. Apparently, it is a onomatopoeia from Middle English for laughing sarcastically. That's not Jason Garrett. He barely laughs. He barely, that, that, there's no chance. Jason Garrett was a yuck it up on the sidelines, laughing guy, patting him on the back when they did something well and staring straight ahead when they did something poorly and not ripping his guys to eat him in the media. Total button down. Gruden's far more open than Jason Garrett, like Tyler said, in terms of he'll say a lot more stuff than Jason Garrett would. Jason well, Garrett never said anything. That's but that's I mean, what, he, that's he what a, he's saying. He's a company is, man. Maybe he thought the the laughing on the sideline was uh, sarcastic. He was like, "Oh, he's yucking it up on the sideline with us, but he's being real with us, like Gruden no, does." The, the clapping, the clapping was the hearty har har. Jason Garrett clapping after failures was the hearty har har that yeah, he, pushed him over the edge. He did clap a lot after missed field goals. <laughs> Make up stuff. What we'll else next time, fellas? After a missed field goal. Well, I mean, I guess you pat the guy. In Good the back, kick, Dan. They didn't miss many. <laughs> Good they kick. Didn't miss they didn't miss many with Danny. Danny made a lot. Danny made a lot. Man. Oh God. <laughs> we gotta get we gotta get uh, Big Wits thoughts on a cowboy being hardy har har. Oh. Oh. Oh, I, Big I, Wits a company guy too, though. I don't think Big yeah, Wit ever say anything. We we need non-company guys to say stuff. Big Wit would be as company buttoned down as you get. What if? What if Jason Witten is the reason that David Irving thinks they're all hardy har har? I mean, I, I think that's a long shot. Well, I mean, you have a 15 minute conversation with the guy, and then you realize afterwards, did he say anything? <laughs> Jason was... Witten was one of the most affable, nicest interviews. I think Tyler was on a few this year with that team. And like, you're like, man, this guy is a really nice guy. And then. And this happens a lot in sports. And then you go back through the tape for 24 minutes and you have one line of quotes you can use. Yes. <laughs> and like, and, but, but the whole time he's speaking, like he answers every question. He's very respectful. Like, he, you know, he expounds on his answer. You, you, you like, okay, usually you would say, boy, 
put that guy out there every time because that guy's great. But then when you write, you go back and you kind of scratch your head and said, well, I can't use that. I can't use that. <laughs> and then you're like, there's very little you can use, even though he's like comes off as like the greatest guy. He's very good at that. He's very good at making you. Yes, think he's he is really good at that. Really. So you actually pay attention to what he's saying. And it's like, <laughs> no, that was not interesting at all. It's so, his most Hall of Fame uh, eligible ability. First ballot. Do, uh, uh, do, uh, do the Raiders, when do the Raiders play the Cowboys again? They don't play this, year. this season, do they? Oh, this they year? do play them this year? Oh, I think, man. I'm pretty sure they go, don't they go to Dallas? It'd be the twenty twenty-one. Try to Google it. Yeah, we're all, all Googling. Three. We yeah, all Google it at once. You're, we're all Googling it, and your dog is telling us which one we yes. play. Yeah, they do play. They do play at Dallas this year. Okay, oh, so Hardy Har Har. I can't wait to write that lead. Dallas Long Dash Hardy Har Har, comma Irving. <laughs> Dallas two Hardy Har Hard for the Raiders. <laughs> Cowboys thirty-one, Raiders eighteen. Period. Into graph. Hardy Har Har. Cowboys oh. get the last hardy har har. <laughs> yeah, um, get the last laugh. I so I can't wait. I'm looking forward to David Irving having three sacks against the Cowboys this season and uh, somehow laughing at the Cowboys sideline the entire time. It's going to be great. Oh. It's going to be great. He's not going to play. He's not going to have a sack the rest of the season, but he's going to have three against the Cowboys. He's got twelve for his career. He's got twelve for his career. He's been around a while, so he's well. He's he's been a decent player when he's actually played oh like yeah yes. when he hasn't been yes. suspended or or last year part yeah. of the the story in the athletics says that david irving part of the reason he didn't play very much for the raiders is he was out for two weeks because raiders doctors thought they found a heart issue that turned out to be nothing so they held him out for two weeks because they thought he had a heart problem that didn't exist so that's why he's he also on the much. covid list yeah well we assume the entire raiders team at some point was right. on the covid list but uh it's yeah so we'll see Here's the thing with the David Irving signing from the Raiders standpoint. He's signed to a very small deal that's apparently got a lot of incentives. Uh, you potentially have a decent pass rusher in David Irving on a small contract. So it's he, he's a worthwhile signing to bring back because he might end up being your best inside guy. He might be useful on the outside because he can play both. Uh, so it's a worthwhile signing to bring him back just as a player. And now if we're going to get quotes about the Cowboys and yeah. them being hardy har har, he's by far the best signing John Gruden's ever made. Yeah, I can't wait for his Zoom. <laughs> what did you mean by hardy har har? I want hey, that defined. A, I need that defined. It's a valid follow-up. It is a valid follow-up. What does that yes, mean? Yes, it's it's legitimate. Yeah. They're all hardy har. I, I wish the I wish the reporter would have followed I mean, up and said, "What does that mean?" If he doesn't say fake laughter with a sarcastic connotation, then uh, he just doesn't know the definition of hardy hard heart. Oh, that's that's true. Do you know the the Webster's dictionary <laughs> definition of hardy hard hardy hard hard? And it's it's uh or what year did it originate in, Jared? What did you say? The middle, middle English. English. Oh middle English? Okay. So yeah, it's uh very what it was Shakespeare writing the words hardy har har or something? Well like I think that? well so I think har is how you would like he laughed and then it turned into har har, and then it turned into hearty har har. I ah, see the evolution wow. of words with Jared Justice. Very important. How about how about when they put out? Uh, this will be great when they put out because usually if it stays the same, which it probably will, on the zooms they'll always ask, "Hey, do you guys have any? You know, do you have any um you know preferences in who talking?" It's always like car and this guy and this guy. I every day I will just type into that text <laughs> David Irving, and they're probably like, "Why do you want to talk to that guy so much?" <laughs> 
<laughs> like everyone else will be saying, you know, Henry Ruggs, you know, Josh Jacobs, and every day they'll just get for me David Irving. <laughs> I mean, if I was the good, just be glad I'm not on those text messages because I would be every day being like, who's the long snapper? Why yeah. can't we get we him need the long snapper for the show? Can we get him? <laughs> All right, uh, coming up next, Sam and Ash are going to join the show. William Hill is giving you a free 50 bucks to bet when you sign up for a new mobile sports account. Use the promo code GET50. That is G-E-T-5-0. And then when you make a minimum of $50 in sports bet, you'll get a free 50 bucks in your account from William Hill. You get a free $50, and you can place all your bets straight from your phone. It is Bet50, Get50 from William Hill. Just remember the promo code GET50. For more details, visit WilliamHill.us. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Here we go. Love this uh, spot every Wednesday. Follow him on Twitter at Sam and Ash Law. Get to SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Best personal injury attorneys in town. And here they are. What's up, guys? Not much. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, those, oh those, we, it's the transition from the press box. We can have really sad conversations off the air, and then we're just fired up when we get on it. It's those press box uh, uh, transitions we love. Um, so, okay, another thing that I, I get fascinated with weird stories. You know that. I am shocked, by the way, and I, I have not talked to her in depth this morning because she's dealing with our dog and I'm, uh, I'm on the air. The fact that my wife hasn't jumped on this class action suit against insurance companies is amazing to me because she does not like when she feels she's getting gouged. But I wanted to talk to you about this because I thought it was fascinating about a suit accusing auto insurance companies locally for failing to reduce premiums during the pandemic. Now, well, one, I wanted to ask you, the merit of something like this, because I would think not only insurance companies, whether it's rent or whatever, things we pay for, there's a lot of situations where you can say, boy, you really didn't help us, or you raised it during the pandemic, and that's not the right thing to do morally. But where does something like this stand legally in terms of, do they have to do this to be nice people? Or is there really a case here where you can prove, hey, you should not have done this to us during the pandemic? Yeah, this a number of insurance companies, first of all, have done the right thing and have voluntarily reduced their rates. Um, in fact, um, and I won't mention which one, but I have a good insurance company because I know all the bad ones, and mine sent me a check. Um, so I, I, did, I got a check in the mail. So uh, this, for example, Liberty Mutual is one of the named defendants. I mean, we, we run into them all the time. Insurance companies don't do the right thing. Uh, we do the right thing. They don't, um, and they they have a lot of cute advertising, but none of it really adds up. So, but your your question about this ad is spot on, because it it comes down to whatever whatever consumer law is in a particular jurisdiction, like okay. the state of Nevada, and also comes down to what's in the contract. So, if they set a rate in the contract, and usually the way you're your build for insurance is based on declared mileage. And and so most policies, when they when you declare your mileage, you say, okay, I'm driving 10,000 miles a year, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, their defense is gonna be, well, you didn't adjust your mileage. You didn't call us and tell us, you didn't you didn't call your agent and reduce your mileage. You didn't, you know, you didn't no put us on notice. And, and the argument back is, well, you should be on notice of it because the world basically came to a standstill. <laughs> right. Um, but I think I actually think the insurance companies will have a pretty good defense here because it's not 
what they did was not again my reading of, of nevada law not necessarily fraudulent um they they entered into contracts with customers to provide uh, you know a certain level of insurance for a certain amount of miles traveled per year at, at a certain price and that price of course reflects the risk of the person's driving record the kind of car they drive and, and, and of course, how many miles they're, they're declaring themselves to be on the road. It's gonna, I think it's going to come down to that in this particular case. So wait, I should just call my insurance and say, hey, I'm driving less now, and they'll give me, <laughs> I don't have to pay as much? Well, I mean, arguably, yes, on your renewal. The one thing that's really interesting is the argument here is that the risk decreased because there weren't as many vehicles on the road. But mm -hmm, we've mm -hmm. talked about how, yes, there's been fewer vehicles on the road, but the accidents we've been seeing are much more catastrophic. So that the hard part here is the insurance companies went out on a limb. They started to proactively reduce rates, but they have no, they're they're job is to assess risk on how much they're going to have to pay year in and year out on these insurance claims mm -hmm. and right now that no one has any idea what the claims history for 2020 looks like in light of covid and the stay-at-home orders i mean yes in theory we should have we saw traffic reductions of 70 percent but did we see claim prices go down and costs go down similarly so i i'm with sam i think that there's going to be a great defense here for the insurance companies and it's going to be tough for um the insurance to prove it but it's going to be interesting and i know nevada's not the only one to start these there's been class actions filed last year in several other states so um yeah it's going to be interesting did you say that, that there's been less people driving but more catastrophic accidents this year or last year or whatever yeah, we've seen much more ac much more damage and injuries with these accidents because the roads are empty. So people are much more distracted. They're driving at oh, higher yeah. rates of speed. Yeah. We've had significant increase in DUIs and fatalities. Yeah. And so so it's not like the, the yes, the traffic as a whole might have decreased, but the risk to these insurance companies, you know, that goes into calculating premium payments, that might not have changed. Yeah, and how do they model this, right? This is an unprecedented shutdown, but so there's no existing data model for it. And so their argument's gonna be, look, we, we haven't even gotten around to figuring out what our, what our, you know, what our risk reduction was. And we have, we have customers who didn't requ request less mileage. So, you know, sorry. Yeah, and I think Warren Jeez. Buffett, you know, behind Geico, he said they made a guess when they were trying to figure out what type of reduction to provide to their customers. They made a guess on what the reduction was. And so that's doing the right thing. That's a risk. If I mean, he could get bit if the claims still come through. Um, they likely won't, but who knows? Jeez, oh. it's a good thing the gym's only three miles away. They don't <laughs> me out there anymore. <laughs> that's My why I God. don't go to the gym. <laughs> well, you don't go to mine because you don't want me in the parking lot. Oh, Steal my duffel bag. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your eyes on your luggage. <laughs> oh, come on. It was, a, it was an honest mistake, Sam. It was an honest mistake. <laughs> honest the, the bags mistake. looked exactly alike when I took the wrong bag the other night. Don't uh, you hear the announcement? that the, you're, Actually, the terminal <laughs> announcement. A, a lot of bags look alike. <laughs> Check the tag. I always Whoa. wonder who the hell are they talking to? Oh, I know they're talking to Ed Graney. <laughs> yes. First time ever. It'll be the last. I will check every tag from now, from now on. Um, 
I want to ask you guys about uh, what's happening in Texas with their power company and the idea that the Supreme Court in Texas is going to apparently be the ones that decides here if the uh, power companies there can be sued or if uh, ERCOT has sovereign immunity from what happened when their state basically froze over and people lost uh, power for multiple days. So what happens here? Like, how does this get broken down in terms of can they or can they not be sued? Well, sovereign immunity is a real thing. I mean, we have it here too, and it you know protects uh, police officers, for example. And there's there's certain conditions that have to be met in order for sovereign immunity to be um, to apply, and also for it to be to be to be broken um, and and to to remove that shield. Um, and and so, I, look, it's Texas. Um, I. Um, my my sense is that the Supreme Court in Texas is going to keep the shield up. Well, I mean, the interesting thing here, though, is sovereign immunity protects state agencies. And here, ERCOT is apparently a private and independent mm. nonprofit. And so that's the big decision here is are they, yes, a private entity and a nonprofit, but are they, in effect, acting as if they're a state agency and therefore entitled to the same immunity that a state agency would get um so that's i mean that's what's going to be really interesting and you're going to see it if if texas supreme court says you do get immunity that might shift how a lot of our our big departments like police officers and and sheriff's departments are run they might outsource it it might it might prove to be an interesting way to extend protections yeah it's almost like private prisons it's a there's a there's an uh, analogous cases there um i'll I'll point out too though clever lawyering will get around this so even if even if ERCOT ends up uh, you know keeps its shield right keeps its uh, sovereign immunity protection Think of all the people that played a role, all the, all the, I don't know, the, the different people that worked on that grid and, and perhaps didn't, didn't fortify it the way that it should, should have been protected. And so you've got a lot of subcontractors here who may, you know, that may, may ultimately go after them. There's a, another big company that, that built a lot of the uh, conductors and a lot of the uh, plants. And so they, they, you know, there may be cases that end up getting broken up and going against these, these smaller entities that still have, you know, deep pockets and insurance. So it's an interesting case. Um, it, you know, there's a little bit wonky, but um, you know, one of the things in this whole Texas thing is this was just an exceptional storm. You know, and and I think in, we we sometimes forget that sometimes crazy stuff happens, and weather, you know, there can be a an unprecedented weather system that moves through a state. And so what's going to be at issue here is how was this. You know how foreseeable was this and and was it was the cost benefit was it reasonable for these power companies to protect their grid in a way against something that was so unexpected and, and, and exceptional so i think that's going to be the, the a big issue in the case if it goes forward how much um and you probably encountered this i don't know if it's all the time or whatever but uh as the story says texas elect, uh, elects its judges meaning there's going to be some political pressure on both sides uh, to how to to how to um, rule here, I guess that's frustrating if you're on the attorney side, or is that something inside of your control? And you know, it's not something you put a lot of thought into. It depends. <laughs> right? It depends on well, the side. Uh, yeah, well, so I mean, we just... we're a jurisdiction that elects judges, so we're <laughs> yes, very yes. familiar with this, and <laughs> and and you know, and and sometimes you know, I don't know, an election rolls around, and people decide to just 
you know, elect a whole new slate of judges and they, they want to get reelected. And, and so are, are these, are some, are some decisions, uh, court decisions, legal decisions, uh, ultimately political decisions? Yes, of course. And so there, you know, and, and, but remember these cases will probably get decided when anger about this subsides, you know, I think, I think right now, if it gets, I mean, right now people are obviously outraged. And uh, so I, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting case to follow. uh, And um, I don't don't know how it'll necessarily turn out. Lastly, Ash, uh, the Golden Knights are going to have some people in the crowd on Monday night. Real quick, I just want to know, because it just seems the standards change uh, 20% here, 15% here. I don't know if there's kind of any legal ramifications. If you, if you think other people are getting more or the percentages differ in terms of what you request and what comes out of it, is there that, or are you surprised that, you know, there's just, it seems like there's different levels of what's being approved for what crowds can be at certain, uh, you know, certain events. Yeah, it is interesting. And I don't know if we do have a true rhyme or reason. I think someone cited the approval on the Southern Nevada health district imposing some 15% cap capacity cap as opposed to what the governor said in the 20 percent right um you know but you know maybe they're looking at the the type of venue you know t-mobile is an enclosed arena it's smaller as opposed to if you look at allegiant stadium it's much more open air you can open up that big lanai door and and so Mm -hmm. maybe that's part of what's factoring into whether or not it's a a 15 or a 20 percent cap there they are follow them on twitter at salmon ash law uh, SalmonAshLaw.com, best in the business, personal injury attorneys. Get to them now, SalmonAshLaw on Twitter and SalmonAshLaw.com. Thanks, guys. We we'll find, talk to you next week. We will find your missing luggage. That's <laughs> our message for the community. 702-820-1234. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Love you guys. See you. Take care. Oh. Ah, the luggage. Oh. I can't wait for you to get hit with a lawsuit for stealing the luggage. Right. And, uh, yeah, represented right. by Sam Ash. Yeah, Sam will be calling me on Monday, and I'll say, "Wait, do we need to do the stories for Wednesday?" That's not why I am calling, Ed. <laughs> I have been we have, we have been included to represent the Katowski family, who you took the luggage from. <laughs> Poor family. All right, coming up next, we'll get into Bischoff's briefs and if the Raiders rookies and second-year players can save the John Gruden era. <sighs> Bischoff's Briefs. Throwing out random numbers authoritatively is the best way to pass as a baseball expert. Bischoff's Briefs. By the way, it's commendable how many baseball players care so deeply about the Equal Rights Amendment. Bischoff's Briefs. Somebody get me some antibiotics because that ball is gonorrhea. Bischoff's Briefs. (laughs) Today, Bischoff's Briefs, we'll be looking at the Raiders rookie and second-year players. From last year, Pro Football Focus ranked all of the draft classes from 2021 to 32 in the NFL, and the Raiders checked in at 29th. Uh, What they wrote about the Raiders draft class, all seven of the Raiders draft picks were selected within the first four rounds, and that group collectively ranked third to last in wins above replacement generated among the 32 rookie classes the only rookie last year to have a positive wins above replacement by pro football focus was brian edwards so 
looking at the Raiders draft picks from 2020. We're also going to throw 2019 in here, the Cleveland Furl, Jonathan Abram, Josh Jacobs picks, and even a little bit of Colton Miller, because since John Gruden was named the head coach, he has had six first-round picks uh, in three years, six of them. And the Raiders haven't really hit on many of those. Now, what I'm going to compare this conversation to is the conversation we've had about Derek Carr and a potential Derek Carr extension. We talk about the quarterback spot. We talk about, you know, the most valuable thing in the sport of football is to have a good quarterback on a rookie contract to get high-level play or at least average play out of a quarterback that you're paying $5 million because they're on their rookie deal. It's not very good value to be paying even Derek Carr $35 million per year. That's not good value because Derek Carr is not good enough to take the team to the Super Bowl on his own. And if you're paying him $35 million, you've got it. You don't have as much money to spend on other places. So keeping that in mind, the Raiders have had six first-round picks the last three years. And even though they haven't taken a quarterback with any of them, the Raiders should have been able to manipulate their roster, manipulate the salary cap with all these draft picks they've had. Because imagine... If they had hit on those six round, six first round picks, we'd be talking about the Raiders having six high level starters all on their rookie deals. Colton Miller, Cleveland Furl, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett. Imagine if they hit on all those. We'd be talking about a, a good left tackle, a good defensive end, a good safety, a good corner, a good wide receiver, a good running back, and all of them getting paid like $5 million or less. But how many of those guys are actually high-level starters? Colton Miller's gotten better, but he's still sort of around an average tackle in the NFL. Cleveland Furl's fine, but he's nothing more than that. Josh Jacobs might be the only one that's a high-level starter at his position, but he wasn't even good last year, and his position is the least valuable in the sport. And then Jonathan Abram, Henry Ruggs, and Damon Arnett were all, like, worst in the league at their position. So, the Raiders haven't hit on maybe any of these first-round picks over the last three years, despite having six of them. But just imagine if they had a top-ten left tackle, an excellent pass rusher, a great safety, a good cornerback, and an explosive wide receiver, they'd be phenomenal. Even if they just had three or four of those, that would make the roster building so much more easy because you would have ready-to-go starters that you're not paying very much. But because they whiffed on most of those picks this offseason what are we talking about they need a cornerback they need a safety right if abram and arnett were good they wouldn't need those we're talking about they need a wide receiver we're saying hey maybe Allen robinson becomes available so they can get him if henry ruggs was good they wouldn't need that right that's what we're talking about in the offseason they're having to spend or they probably are going to have to spend money in free agency to make up for the players that aren't any good that they drafted. So again, imagine if they hit on four or five of those first round picks and then, you know, you have good play from Hunter Renfro as a, as a fifth round pick. Max Crosby is a fourth round pick. Trayvon Mullen is a second. Maybe Brian Edwards is like a third. Like all of a sudden you're talking about a team that's young and really good because they can spend their money elsewhere instead of having to fill up the holes that they thought they filled through the draft. That's where the Raiders have missed because this season and next season, 
they should be awesome because they should have a lot of first round picks on their rookie deals coming into their second and third years. But I don't think we trust any of those players are actually going to be that good. They end, they ultimately have bad players on cheap deals instead of good players on cheap deals. And that's where the, the John Gruden era has whiffed. Because you, when you trade, when you go rebuild mode, when you trade away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper to get first round picks, the whole idea is you're going to get a lot of players in the same time span on rookie deals. But when you miss on four or five of those six picks, your team's not any good. And all of a sudden you're spending money to replace those players when in reality you should be spending money to supplement those players because you actually got good players. So you obviously didn't see the tape of Damon Arnett working out yesterday. Uh, <laughs> it was a great tape of him running running drills and lifting in the gym. He's on his way back uh, to a great second season. Open-ended question here for you then, because I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've followed all 32 drafts over the last 40, four years. What do you think the percentages of, if you can just give me a guess, that you could be saying this about a lot of teams. You uh, can't. In, ter- can. in terms of misses, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. look, some some hit it out of the park, I get that, but there's 32 teams, and how many teams, you know, to this level could you say missed? Like, I don't know, 20%? I, I have no idea what the answer is. Uh, listen, a high number of teams miss. A lot of guys are bust in the first round. There is no doubt about that. The Raiders are not the only team right. that have done that. I mean, hell, just looking at this ranking – they weren't even the worst rookie class from last year, right? Like there were teams that drafted worse than they did. One of them's in their division, the Denver Broncos. So absolutely lots of teams whiff on first round picks. The problem for the Raiders is that they had six first round picks in a three year span. And it looks like they whiffed on four of those guys. Like, it doesn't seem as though they did a good enough job. Because here the Raiders basically decided, when they traded Mack and they traded Cooper, they decided, we're rebuilding, and we're rebuilding through the draft, and now we're sitting here after all those picks have been used, and it doesn't feel like they got good players. It feels like they, they missed on way too many of them. It's unrealistic to think they're going to hit on all of them. But I think it's fair to say you expected them to get much better players than they actually have out of these picks. Okay, I think that's fair. Like I said, I no, they have not done well in the draft. I don't. I'm not going to say at this point. You know, what did we hear about Mike Mayock? Um, yeah, the, the the Shih Tzu here at home is also agreeing with you, not happy with the draft at all. <laughs> Although it's mostly because she can't see anymore and she thinks she's barking at me, but she's looking the other way. Um, oh God! Oh I, God. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I do agree that you know Mayock. We need to see more from Mayock too. It's it's weird because Tyler like. We, I think you and I assume that Gruden has the last say in things and he kind of makes the final decisions. I'd love to know, because that's all we heard about Mayock. You know, he, he scouted 32 teams when he was in NFL Network. He was the great talent evaluator. You know, he was the guy they always went to say, hey, Mike, who can you get in the fifth round and all that? I'd love to know the percentage, really, of how much say he has. Like, we probably will never know. But and he's been here a short time, but they haven't done well in the draft. So... Is that him having a lot of say, or is that Gruden kind of overruling everything and taking who he wants? I don't know the answer to that, but something isn't working between them or them as a collective group because of what you just spelled out in terms of how they've missed so many guys. Yeah, that it is like, how do you evaluate Mike Mayock? We, we don't know because, like, take this last draft. We'll, we'll use the Lynn Bowden pick as an example. Was that a Mike Mayock pick, or did John Gruden love Lynn Bowden and the idea of him being a gadget player and, and basically force that pick? But We don't know, but they ended up trading him before the season even started for a fourth-round pick. 
So like that was a miss from the Raiders in terms of how they handled that pick, but who, who deserves the blame for that? And the same goes for, you know, obviously the first round picks who wanted Henry Ruggs, right? They had, they had their choice of any receiver in the draft and they took Henry Ruggs who wanted Henry Ruggs. Like, was that a mutual? They both wanted them. Did one of them outweigh, outweigh the other? Like, that's we don't know. We don't know how how exactly to evaluate Mike Mayock's talent be, or talent evaluation because w- is he the one deciding? Hey, Henry Ruggs over Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs over any other wide receiver in football, or was that John Gruden stepping in and saying, "No, I want the fast guy." Yeah, I don't know, and I don't think we ever will. I mean, everyone assumes because of the contract, it's Gruden, and it, it's almost become a cliche to say Gruden has the final say. Now, maybe we're all right about that. But it's just that's just such an assumed part of this. I'd love to know. Rugs, you bring up Rugs. That's the guy I'd really love to know because there were so many other receivers. And whether they're experts or not, I don't know. But not a lot of people had Rugs as the first guy. I mean, you know, and I'm talking mostly the, the mocks and what you hear. And they're the one, and he's the one they picked. So I, I'm with you. I'd love to know who had to say on Rugs. The others, maybe so. But that was a huge pick for them. And there were other guys on that board, as we know who looked a heck of a lot better as rookies. So I'd really love to know who put their foot down if that happened and said, no, of all these guys, this is the best guy for us. All right, coming up next, it's the dessert menu. UNLV is going to play tonight. Are the Golden Knights going to play tomorrow? Let's end the show with something sweet. This is the dessert menu brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. UNLV basketball will play tonight against Fresno State. This has been the Dessert Menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at SilverStateCU.com. 8 p.m. on FS1. You can also listen to it right here. But the reason that is good news is because it's going to be available. I think we have (laughs) reason to doubt the Golden Knights are going to play on Thursday because we've got uh, a tweet here from Curtis Pashelka, who covers the Sharks, that the Sharks have canceled their practice today and no clear explanation as to why just yet. I know Shang Peng tweeted out that they're expecting a team statement. Uh, Canceled practice followed by team statement doesn't sound like an ideal situation when it comes to a a COVID season. No. Now, you'll get a lot of practice. Well, Usually they're skate. Sometimes they're practice. You know the whole maintenance day stuff, and it's voluntary. But you never get we've intense, we've canceled the entire practice. And you're right. The word statement isn't good because if it was anything less serious, you would just you know jump on the Zoom as a coach and you would just say what's happening. Statement implies, and we don't want to guess here, but statement implies that uh, there might be a pause coming. I don't know what else in these times of why you would cancel an entire practice and say that you're having a statement. We're guessing, but. That's probably, you know, even money at the books right now, if not the heavy favorite, that that's what's happening. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, you don't cancel entire practices the day before a game and release a statement and it just be nothing saying, hey, we just want to take the day off. Yeah. Like, that like, usually doesn't happen. In a normal year, like the Golden Knights have, have canceled practice before. Sure. But it's it, but usually you'll get like an email, like the media will get yeah. an email that say practice has been canceled today. It's an yeah. off day, like we're giving them a day off, like or whatever it is, and that happens in a normal year. So it's not that crazy that the practice would be canceled. The strange part is, you know, ah, we're gonna have to put out a team statement about it yeah. later on. So 
as of now, we don't know. Uh, I guess hopeful that San Jose doesn't have COVID issues. And if it is COVID related, that it's um, contact tracing and not somebody tested positive within the team and they're being cautious or something. And, you know, hope it's not worst case scenario for San Jose. But as of now, no. uh, little a little questionable in terms of will the Golden Knights yeah. play tomorrow in San Jose or if another team is going to have to go on a COVID pause, because we've seen plenty of those in the NHL this year. And we talked about this. I think we're right on this. They have not had a pause. The thing with San Jose is they haven't been able to play at their arena very much because of California and COVID. So they've been in Arizona and on the road, um, which was, again, I don't know how many games they played at, at home, but that's where the Knights are scheduled to go tomorrow. So they haven't had a pause yet, and you don't want more pauses, but... Like I said, this kind of seems like it's trending that way. I'm going to be surprised if it's anything different when you come out with a statement. I mean, that that right there kind of said, okay, this is just not a normal thing. Yeah, so we'll see what that statement says when the Sharks actually put that one out. Important question for you, though, Ed. How confident are you feeling with the LA Kings and their four-game winning streak tonight against the Blues? I'm not going to lie to you, Tyler. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, the Blues are a solid team, and to have to beat them twice in three days, uh, it's not going to be easy. Quickie was great the other night. Don't know if he can. Uh, don't know if he can uh, repeat that. Did you see Dustin Brown, which I thought was awesome? Did you see his tweet yesterday about what his kids think? No. What did Dustin Brown's kids? He was asked. He, he was asked like, "Your kids are old enough now. Like, do they think of you as the hockey player? Or do they think, hey, dad has a cool job? Or do you just think you're cool? You know, you know what dad does." He's like. It doesn't matter. They don't think I'm any good anyway. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes I've got a kid playing hockey right now. He goes, he always tells me about all the better players in the league. <laughs> so with that kind of attitude, you've got to be a Kings fan. I mean, that, that self-effacing athletes, we don't get that very often. So that was pretty awesome. I do love the idea of athletes' I mean, kids telling them yeah. that they suck. Or yes, athletes' absolutely. kids being like, yeah, why aren't you good as good as that yeah. Mark Stone guy? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That Mark Dad, Stone guy keeps stealing the puck from you. Dad, have you seen Connor McDavid? <laughs> He's really good, and you don't get as many goals as he does. So what's wrong with you? But he laughed at it, which, again, I think that's cool. You don't get that often where they just completely rip themselves. And when he said that, I started laughing. Now my kids don't think I'm any good anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Wait, which, like, which player was it? Uh, Dustin Brown. Oh, and, oh, one of their older play. Okay. Dustin yeah, Brown's yeah. like, he's been there yeah. a while. He's been good for a well, while he, for the Kings. Too. I mean, he's played, he played, he's played pretty well. I think he had a goal or two the other night. I mean, look, he's still pretty good. And yeah, he's on the North end of it and probably closer to retirement than not. But so his kids, I, the way he was talking, his kids have got to be like teenage age or whatever, where they had these, all these opinions about him. And just like the one kid, I guess, lists off all the better players than he is. Oh, Which I, hope, I think is absolutely terrific. I hope I hope he had the son has a list yes, of players yes, that are yes. better. Like he ranks yes. the NHL players. Yes. And he's like, all right, Dad, exactly. I got you uh, at number one hundred and forty-four. Yes, you think you can Dad, move up any higher than that? Dad, you have better stats than Keegan Colasar. Uh, <laughs> does he? Are we sure? He yeah, fights. He, does. he, he fights goals. better. Keegan Colson broke a guy's face. Yeah. Sure. No, no, that's, no. A, that's the other thing. I'm sure the kid's like, you have better stats, but you're not as good a fighter. Because that guy broke someone's face the other night, Dad, and I've never seen you do that. You so got to rough somebody up. You got to rough somebody yeah, exactly. up. Like, that's why I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Hopefully you want to break? You want to? You want to get down to double digits? Go after Summer's face. Hopefully he's telling the son is telling uh, Dustin Brown to not fight Keegan Colasar because (laughs) some bones in your face will be broken if you fight Keegan Colasar. You are old, Dad. Don't fight that guy. Oh man, I'm with you. I think it's awesome for kids to tell their parents what they're not good at. It happens often in this house. So I am all for uh, kids completely defacing their parents and telling them what they're not good at. And my son's in grad school for rhetoric writing. And if when I asked to read his writing, it's almost like he looks at me like, you're not going to understand this anyway because you're a sports writer. So when it comes to real writing and rhetoric writing about, you know, 1800s romanticism and all of that, you won't understand any of it. So he never lets me read the stuff. Ever. I mean, Dad, you, you wrote about a hockey game being played yes, next exactly. to a lake. Yeah, you write a lot of short paragraphs. Uh, you know, a two-year-old can do that. You're not reading what I write. I mean, this show also sort of does that to you, Ed, where we yes, talk about your true. driving. That's true. That's true. It happens all the time. Listen, I, I just want to make sure everybody knows, yesterday, when we talked about Ed leaving his luggage or stealing somebody else's luggage and leaving his at the airport, Ed brought that up. We, I had no, no yeah. idea that happened. No, I did. Ed, was, right. Ed was ready to go. Ed was ready no. to say, this is what I, I just, did. So I wanted to, you know, at, at the 0.5% chance, these visitors who are probably gambling as they should be or having a good time, you know, somewhere might have had it on in the rent-a-car. I wanted to make sure I apologize because I'm still very sorry about this. Oh Imagine that family. You steal their <laughs> luggage and then they're driving around and they're like, this guy's on the radio? We can't see this maniac. Uh, 